Hi guys, welcome to another episode of Not Just RNA. My name is Pallavi. Hi, this is Sanjana. And this is Bina. So uh, this month is February. We're in February now. So February is Black History Month. And so to, to celebrate Black History Month, we're dedicating their next uh, couple of episodes to celebrate the lifetime achievements of a couple of really uh, tremendous scientists in our history. So women have um, often contributed to science through, through um, different research and other avenues over the course of history, but we tend to overlook them. And so today's episode, we're going to focus on uh, Mary M. Daly, who, in, who made tremendous achievements in, um, in characterizing the structure and the organization of DNA itself and how it's packaged, how it's coiled into such a small little nucleus. Um, she also made achievements in understanding the risk factors of cardiovascular disease and characterizing the effect of smoking on the heart and the lungs. So in short, uh, Daly's fought uh, racial and gender biases through her times to dedicate her life to advancing human health. Mm -hmm. And this is also like a continuation of our last episode where we talked about DNA and how such a big piece of information is sort of packaged into such tiny cell um, with the help of proteins and um, yeah. Um, so this is the person who actually was at the forefront of these discoveries. That's why um, I feel like it's like a natural, yeah, continuation. Yeah, and I think it's a really great time, Black History Month, for us to reflect that science is like a really great method of equalizing everybody, yeah. that people should be able to make contributions of their science, of their methodology, and shine equivalently to everybody else. And Mary M. Daly was the first person, first black woman in history yeah. to earn a PhD in chemistry in the united states in yes. the united states <laughs> yeah. Yeah. still important <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. and yeah it's it's an inspiration to not just women or people of color but just to everybody that this is a world where we should um appreciate these huge strides that are made in, in science yeah yeah, so Mary uh, Mary Daly was born in Queens on April 16th, which is close to someone else's birthday. I don't want to expect that. <laughs> um, in 1921. So she first began to show an interest in science during her vacations uh, to her grandparents' house, where um, her grandfather had, ex had a, an extensive library filled with books about famous scientists and their achievements. And it was said that uh, she would spend hours reading these books. And um, she was particularly inspired by... Um, a guy named Paul D. Kruef, who was a Dutch-American uh, microbiologist and who was the author of a book called Microbe Hunters. Um, and so these early experiences really are accredited to influencing Daly to pursue a career in science. Um, and also, I guess her father had a big contribution in yeah. um, her interest in science because he was a Cornell dropout. Uh, he unfortunately had to uh, drop out of college because of financial uh, reasons. But I guess he was also one person who inspired her a lot to venture into the world of science. Yeah, he actually, his goal was to pursue a, a degree in chemistry mm -hmm. and he never was able to finish it. So mm -hmm. it was, yeah, so she really took on that role and like fulfilled his dreams. Mm -hmm. um, so Daly received her bachelor's degree from Queen's College and upon graduating, she was named Queen's College Scholar in 1942. So which is awarded to the top 2.5% of the graduating class, which is pretty remarkable. Um, then during the 1940s, this is the beginning of World War II when the United States was experiencing labor shortages and uh, the government was investing in research and stuff like that. They put out, they 
put out several uh, awards and grants for people to study science in, um, in colleges and universities. So Daly happened to get one of these uh, scholarships um, to pursue a master's degree from New York University. And she later pursued her PhD from Columbia University. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's also said that um, when she was in college, uh, after her bachelor's, so the title she got was Magna Cum Laude, which yeah, is like... Magna Cum Laude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry. Like sorry of, for me. Yeah. 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 She was quite great. And also these uh, fellowships, uh, I'd say she was fortunate as well, because at that time, a lot of people were going for wars. So they yeah. wanted to increase the number of people who get enrolled in science and research. Yeah. And that's when she got her opportunity. So we don't know what would have happened otherwise if that wasn't the case, like if she would have been able to make it um, because of, yeah, the biases. But yeah, she did it. But she did struggle. She did work yeah. as, a, as I think, a research tech or yes. a lab tech yes. um, at Queen's University yeah. or Queen's College, sorry, um, saving up money to start to pay for her master's degree at uh, New York University. So, mm -hmm. That's yeah. Right. yeah. So her uh, PhD in Columbia and, uh, University was about how amylase breaks bonds between carbohydrates and starches and converts it into sugar. I guess that must be a very profitable thing to study at the time. Yeah, yeah. that's true. <clears throat> I think we take it for granted how much we didn't know at the time, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yeah. And also the person... She pursued her PhD and was uh, said to be the first women assistant professor in that department. So, mm -hmm. yeah, it was like yeah. a very... women supporting women. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so when she graduated in 1947 with her PhD, she was the first African-American woman to earn a PhD from Columbia University um, and the first African-American woman to earn a doctorate in chemistry in the United States. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. At, at a big. time when only 2% of black women held college degrees. Yeah, which is pretty yeah. incredible. Pretty remarkable, yeah. Most women who did end up getting college degrees at the time became school teachers, right? Mm -hmm. And that was seen as like the sort of the better of the jobs that yeah. you could get. Um, so it's pretty remarkable that she was able to get her PhD and then become a professor at such an elite university. A professor, yeah. 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 Like yeah. teaching was predominantly a male profession. Yeah, yeah. I guess she managed to fulfill her father's dream of becoming a chemist in his place of think some, something that he couldn't accomplish, she was able to do as the next generation. She was awarded um, the American Cancer Society grant to support her postdoctoral research under Alfred M. Mursky at the Rockefeller Institute. Yeah. And together they studied the role of ribonuclear proteins. So I don't know if you guys know this, yeah. but ribonuclear proteins is what they called ribosomes back in the day before it was like the name was coined. Mm -hmm. um, and so the guy that coined the name and maybe and is credited with the discovery of ribosomes are is uh, George E. Paraday in 1955. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so what is a ribosome? Let's start there. Yeah. So a ribosome is, if you remember from last episode, we talked about how DNA, our mRNA, and protein are sort of in this linear uh, progression to end up making protein. The ribosome is like the middleman between mRNA and protein. So it binds to the mRNA and then adds uh, these little components to protein called amino acids in sequence and then eventually uh, synthesizes protein in one long strand, uh, which mm -hmm. then gets folded and makes a full protein. Yeah. I remember in high school, we had to draw out the cellular like compartments and everything. And so you knew you knew when people were drawing 
ribosomes because they would just tap on the desk with the point of their pen. And you could just hear tap, 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 tap. Those are ribosomes. Um, And it's cool that she was actually working on them before they were actually officially discovered and named. So she was one of the pioneers there. Um, Also during this time, she studied um, the cellular nucleus. So this is where DNA is actually stored. So again, this is a time in history where people didn't know the genetic material was carried in the DNA. People were debating on if genetic material is stored in the DNA or if the protein. And so she was studying um, the contents of the nucleus and how the DNA is actually structured in it. Yeah, that's right. And also, like we covered in our last episode, um, just to give you a quick reminder, so Nucleus, you can think of Nucleus as um, a library. And in library, you know how there are some ancient scrolls and scripts or like ancient books. You can think of that as DNA. And the shells in which, or the place in which we uh, organize these scripts, scrolls, or these books, uh, can be likened to a protein called histones, which I guess uh, Pallavi talked about extensively in the last podcast, where she told how DNA is wrapped around these proteins and it greatly helps in um, organization and condensation of such big piece of uh, information. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, um, I guess Delhi's work was uh, really great in this regard that she had uh, contributed a lot uh, in the discovery of this particular protein, which is called histone. Yeah, so think about histones like the packaging peanuts, right? Your DNA mm-hmm. is wrapped around them, and so that way it's organized, right? Um, and so you can pull out specific genes that you need and express specific genes at specific times without having to unravel the entire thing and try to undo an impossible knot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and histones also have additional features of protecting DNA as well as um, modifying DNA in certain aspects and changing the way that certain genes uh, mm-hmm. are expressed like we talked about in the last episode. Some genes are off, some genes are on at different times um, yeah. of our life and, and that's part of the role of histones. And this is critical information, right? Because um, she is one of the very first people to actually have discovered histones and what they do. And so with this data, now people could start understanding how specific genes are actually turned off, how they're turned off, how they're regulated, how the structure of DNA is maintained in the nucleus. Yes. Um, and so, it, yeah, it was... It was I also heard it be said by someone a while back that histones are actually quite notorious, notoriously hard to work with because they're oh. so positively charged as mm-hmm. we know dna is negatively charged. charged so they have to be the most positively charged protein basically in our whole cell so it does create some complexities to work with them it's amazing that she she was in all this yeah. yeah yeah so what exactly did she did she discover that histones were binding to the dna or did she discover histones Protein. No, oh. I think she discovered, yeah, the complexes, okay. like the nucleosome complexes. Like the fact that like they're that. Yeah. together. Yeah. Okay, sure. Because I guess she was working with Mursky. She was pursuing her postdoc. And mm-hmm. her PhD was only three years, but her postdoc happened to be of seven years. Mm-hmm. So she did quite a lot. I guess she started by characterizing what's in this nucleus. Mm-hmm. So yeah. she, um, for the first time, used several techniques where um, she selectively sort of isolated different components of nucleus, and that's how she stumbled upon this protein that plays such a crucial role. Yeah. yeah. And so you know the gravity of this a discovery when James Watson accepted his Nobel Prize. So this is the guy that discovered the structure of DNA, right? So he discovered that, he, well, he was one of the guys, one of arguably one of three, three people. Yeah. <laughs> 
um, who discovered that DNA looks like a twisted ladder, right? The double helix shape that we talked about. And um, when he accepted his Nobel Prize in 1962, he cited Daly's work on the uh, ribonucleoproteins. So this is the ribosome and the protein synthesis work that she did. Um, and she, he um, is quoted, he's quoted for saying the Daly Sorry, he's quoted for saying that his experience working at the Rockefeller with Daly was awesome and inspiring. Wow. When I read yeah. that, I was like, thank God. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because we've heard about so many stories where men have often overshadowed like contributions of yeah. uh, female scientists. But over here, like even getting mentioned in his Nobel Prize uh, speech and like giving, she was given enough credit. So that was like, pretty good. But yeah. she never won a Nobel Prize. She right? did. Yeah, that's true. Oh, that's so we still don't his know. Stones what are, yeah. I mean, his stones are so amazing that we I'm, now we know how much <laughs> yeah. more they do than just like simple uh-huh. your analogy. Like they're not just passive shelves yeah. to books. They they do so much stuff. Like yeah, yeah. But so who did <laughs> who did get the Nobel Prize for his stones for the discovery of his stones? I mean, other than her, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe nobody. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's so we funny, like, up. back in the day when people were making these, like, core discoveries of of science that we don't really, like, we don't do, we don't find that many things that are so unknown anymore. It's a very right. rare thing to do. But, yeah, lots of people weren't recognized for... I guess people didn't know the gravity of the discovery until sure. decades later. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, there, yeah, there's so few methods to probe their yeah. true function yes. and the yes. true uh, impact of something. Yeah. I, I mean... Didn't... Sorry. No, no, I was just going to say, it must have taken just years trying to, like, isolate and purify yeah, a specific sure. protein mm-hmm. that, like, who knows, like, whatever time you had left in your degree would just be, like... Yeah. And also, I guess these guys were quite ahead of their time, right? Yeah. Because they made such discoveries when other people might just be dwelling on surface. I don't know how yeah. appropriate is that to say, but <laughs> they did, like, pretty amazing job finding out what ultimately packages or interacts with DNA. Yeah. Yeah. One other uh, really cool discovery that uh, Daly made was that she was able to, she was able to use chromatography methods to separate out purines and pyrimidines. Um, and this was, again, really remarkable because this was the first time uh, that anyone was able to do this. So like Daly in her lab, they were the first people to actually be able to separate out purines and pyrimidines. So I guess just some background first. Purines and pyrimidines are like so DNA is made of sugars, right? So A, C, G, T are the four letters that we all know. A's and G's are classified as purines, whereas C's and T's are called pyrimidines. So purines, so your A's and G's, are just a little bit bigger than uh, pyrimidines. There's two rings in a purine versus one ring in a pyrimidine. Um, that's really the only difference. But to be able to separate them out in a in a laboratory setting was very, very difficult just because they're very similar to each other. And they're like so tiny so so tiny um and so daily in her lab were the first people to actually be able to separate them out and it was Mm -hmm. a it was a it's cool i I didn't know that chemistry yeah yeah and this is also the foundation of watson and crick's discovery i guess that's why again i guess she she got mentioned in the nobel prize speech because this is the like this is the structure of DNA. What is it composed of? Yeah. She actually broke down. She not only reached DNA, but she also broke it down into components that right. it's made of. Yeah. Um, so she made pretty remarkable discoveries in, in genetics, but Daly also decided to focus her research on human health. So uh, she worked with Dr. Quentin B. Deming at uh, Columbia University. Um, 
And her most famous contribution there was uh, to science and human health. So she worked on rats with various diets and led her to understand the link between high cholesterol diets, clogged arteries, and heart attacks and strokes. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, think about the number of people that have heart attacks and strokes today, and they're just like, oh, well, I don't know what happened. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's remarkable what we didn't know about the causes of these, that's right. these yeah. things that cause like such a are such a major health concern. We didn't know what was causing them at the time. Like yeah. I guess people just thought that it happened randomly. Yeah, and yes. also at that time they used to believe a lot in like, oh, we did something wrong, and then that's oh, why sure. our life yeah. was taken yeah. away. I mean, lots of people who had strokes and then had like resulting paralysis. Like people assumed that that was like a mental disorder, yeah, and not yeah. an actual like physiological yeah. outcome. Of, yeah. um, I mean, it's crazy because now it feels like common knowledge, but this was what, like 1950s or mm-hmm. 60s? Yeah. It's not even that long ago. Sure. Um, and that's when the first diet started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and has continued ever since. Yeah. Oh, did you see when those, there's a diet belt that people wrap around their waist and it just vibrates over your belly and uh-huh. it's supposed to get rid of belly fat? Did oh. you guys? Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't get rid of that because it's a massage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And there's so many now advertisements for, like, cholesterol medication and blood pressure medications plastered. Like, I think it's on every news channel after the news. Yeah. You'll see advertisements for stuff like this. It's just crazy how it's, like, blown up in 50 years. And also a lot of these illnesses are not just lifestyle-led. A lot of these illnesses are genetic. Yeah. And they're, you know, everybody responds in different ways to differences in diet and exercise or whatever it is. So it could, it could, it is a necessary thing to study for people who cannot necessarily choose to prevent those illnesses. Yeah. And also for other people who, I guess, for whom it's more like lifestyle Mm -hmm. um, dependent, those people can start making life changes now. Like a lot of people now start modifying their diets quite early on. Mm-hmm. They take up exercises quite early on, and mm-hmm. um, all of this uh, can be actually credited back to her because she yeah. was the first one who uh, discussed the impact of like fat buildup in our arteries. Arteries yeah. are the vessels that carry blood. How the fat blockage can finally lead to heart attack, or how it can be damaging to our circulatory system and then heart. Yeah. So after so many really incredible discoveries and leaps in science and human health, Daly then had a lifelong commitment to education and helping her, helping other underrepresented represented students in scientific mm-hmm. careers. So she helped increase the enrollment of minorities in both medical and graduate schools. She um, set up a program uh, that was called, I think, the Martin Luther King slash Robert F. Kennedy program, mm-hmm. um, which helped prepare African-American students for universities. She recruited many African-American and Puerto Rican students um, mm-hmm. to the Albert Einstein College and mentored several accomplished uh, scientists, including um, Francine B. Essing, mm-hmm. who was the first black woman to earn a PhD in biology in the United States. Yeah. (laughs) So um, it just goes to show you when you have a really incredible uh, supervisor, you'll have really incredible like Uh students coming from their lineage. Yeah. Yeah. And not just, not just a lineage of um, science and discoveries, but like one of integrity, one of promoting these, very essential traits that we want in our society uh-huh. and creating a place where people of minorities can work and, and make discoveries the way that she did. Yeah. You know, science is very much a collaborative 
enterprise. We have people all around the world. And to do science, but to do good science, I think is very different. Yeah. Yeah. I read, I was listening to a psychology podcast a while ago, and it was demonstrating that people who work in a lab setting with people who are very different from them actually end up making much larger discoveries mm-hmm. than a lab that's comprised of all the same types of people. Like sure. the same race, the yeah. same whatever it is, like the same thinking, that difference makes us actually stronger. And so to encourage this kind of uh, inclusivity and unity is is a powerful thing for science itself. Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, people in the name of diversity try to pick people from like different backgrounds, but you know, you want people who think differently, who come from, you know, various cultures and ethnicities. So it's, yeah, Yeah. it's really important. And I guess what she did is quite remarkable because she's now extending all that support to the new generation of scientists. So she really made sure she took one more step and made sure that those people actually get opportunity out there, the minority groups. And then she also ended up enrolling so many students to science and research. Yeah. And I mean, we think of a lot of scientists who have made other great leaps of science, but have they made a great leap of, uh, of like social justice, of, you know, creating this atmosphere that um, will lead other people towards success, not just themselves. Uh-huh. Yeah, this was the 1940s, 50s, 60s. Yeah. This was, yeah, yeah the midst of the civil, civil rights movements and everything. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and also, like, just one last thing. Yeah. Like, the name of our <laughs> podcast, Not Just RNA, I'd say for Delhi, she was also not just a scientist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much more than that. That's right. Um, let's wrap things up really quickly. Um, so, Daly's uh, illustrious career of teaching and scientific research led to many discoveries in the field of genomics, medicine, and chemistry. Her struggles overcoming poverty during her childhood and her lifelong struggle with racial and gender biases have given her... Ev- given everyone hope for a brighter future despite a bleak today um, that might seem. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Daly's legacy lives on throughout her through her contributions to science and the path that she paved for for female scientists and scientists from other other races and genders. Yeah. Cool. Nice discussion guys. Yeah, nice. yeah it was quite <laughs> inspiring. <Yeah. laughs> um Okay, I guess let's plug our social media pages before we leave. Um, we have an Instagram that we're kind of active on. We have a Facebook that now is linked to the Instagram. So when you post on Instagram, it also posts on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Just discovered that. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that. Either. Yeah, you can do that. Um, so, yeah, so we're active. Find us uh, on both channels. We also have a LinkedIn if you want to add us there. Um, we also love artwork. So we're trying to feature artwork both on our podcast and also on our website. So let us know if you're an artist, um, not necessarily scientist, but if you look at, like science related, but anything, you know, shoot us an email and let us know. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. <laughs>